Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. And uh, I'm going to be in Acts 19 today. And uh, I'm going to start with Acts 19, verses 1 through 6. And it says, As it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So he's explaining to them, he's like, you're doing good. You you believed when you heard the words from John that you needed to be baptized. But there's more to it than that. There's more that you need to know. So in verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And in this, I, I, I see just a couple of things that... that I guess make me ask questions. Like if, if somebody were to come and see you, would there be a visible representation of the Holy Spirit in your life? Now, it, it doesn't seem that this is something that Paul, because it doesn't really happen in other places in scriptures where he comes and asks them if they've heard about the Holy Spirit. It seems to be, possibly, it doesn't say this, but that there was just a, something that he could tell that they haven't received yet, that they knew God and, and, and they were believers, but they didn't fully know what had really happened yet and, and the fullness of what had happened. But they had heard, right, of John's baptism. That there was one to come, but they didn't know the rest of the story yet. But when I look at that, I, I, I see, I don't want somebody to walk up to me and, and not be able to tell that I know the fullness of what God has for me or what He has for you. That I, that I don't have this representation that Christ is crucified, and not only that, he was raised from the dead, and not only that, he went to be at the right hand of the Father and sent the Spirit to come and be with us. I want that to be evident in my life, that there's power, that there's something more than than just religiosity or, or, or just a memorizing of scriptures, because you can do that and not have the fullness of what God wants for you. Yeah. Oh. 
He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Of course they said, well, we haven't even heard. Who is this? But in that, I, I say, did, did somebody tell you? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Are you currently receiving what He has for you? Are you living in the power of, of what the Holy Spirit can bring into your life? Because we can be here week after week. We can talk the talk. But we can also walk not living in the reality of who the Holy Spirit is and what He wants for us, what He wants to do in us and through us. Are you, are you filled with the Spirit? And I love it. It says, and they, of course, said, we're ready. We, we want to be baptized in the Spirit. And so he laid hands on them. You know, there's many times in the Bible where they say lay, they had hands laid on them and they weren't the nice kind of laid hands on them. And this is one of those instances where it's the good kind. And he laid hands on he, he laid his hands on them and prayed for them. And then it says that they started speaking in tongues and prophesying. And this word means to utter forth or declare a thing which can only be known by divine revelation. Can only be known by divine revelation. It also says something about, uh, about this thing that comes forth that's actually a, a, a worship. The prophecy is actually a form of, of worship. And these tongues, when this comes out, that it's, it's to glorify God that our life should be lived in a way that glorifies God. In verse 8, Acts 19.8 says, and, when, or, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples' reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Now, in, in this, I see a couple of things. First, of course, Paul is continuing to, to go and to preach. He does not stop what he's doing. It says daily. Daily he went. Every day he spoke about who God was. And in this, he was still making a living. He was a tent maker and he worked. And as I was reading, it said, it, some, uh, there's some things written that, that said that he, he most likely was there from like 11 to 4 o'clock was generally when people took rest from when they were working. So every day, for hours, he would go and preach in the synagogue as well as work. 
But then there were some that were hardened. And it's a problem. It's a problem when you have to go out of the church to find people that aren't hardened to the truth of who God is. And, and I say that, I, you know, I, I hesitate to, you know, I'd never point fingers, never do anything like that, but there's so much of this, I believe today, where people are set in their ways or just want things the way that they want it or want to hear it the way that they want to hear it or I'll go to that place because they say the things that I want them to say. I don't want to go to a place where they say the things that I want them to say. I want to go to a place where they say the things that I need them to say. Even if they're things that don't feel good when they hit me, you know? It says that he was there for months, but then he had to go out and he goes to this place, a school, not a church place, a Gentile place where this guy, Tyrannus, allowed him to use his building so he could continue to preach. And in verse 10, it says, and this continued for two years. Two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. This continued on for two years. He carried on preaching. When he couldn't do it in the synagogue, he goes to another place where there were people that were open to hearing about Christ and what the Spirit wanted to do in their lives. But I, what, I, what I love about this, and if you could kind of read in between these lines with me, it says he continued for two years and he was there just preaching daily. But it says, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. It wasn't because they all heard the word of, from him, but what he was doing was equipping and speaking of of who God was and what Christ did and about the Holy Spirit, that you need to receive the Spirit to those that were hearing Him. And they were going out through all of Asia so much so that everybody heard about who Christ was. He was equipping the Christians, and I've said this before, but that's what this is for. That's what we do here. It's equipping. Not patting your back, not making you feel good so you can last through the week, but equipping so that you can step out your door tomorrow and the next day to share about who God is. To show somebody, like, like I said before, that that, that Life with the Holy Spirit is evident to those you come in contact with. I, I want to be an equipper. 
I want to be equipped. I want all of us just to be equipped to do what God has asked us to do. So first thing we need is the Holy Spirit. Second thing we need is sound teaching. Now there is teaching that had reached them that was sound but was not the fullness of what God had done, right? It was lacking the power of the Spirit. Are we lacking the power of the Spirit in our lives? Things hadn't really changed. Now, in Ephesus, in this part of the world that he was in, it was just full of like witchcraft and magic and all these different things that, that were going on. And, and the word had spread, right? There were those that had heard what John had preached, but the, the culture hadn't changed. But then Paul comes pre preaching about Christ and the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, verse 11, it says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, this is amazing. I love this. Now, God was working in such a, a miraculous way through Paul and again, he's just there preaching. See, and I, I think this is, man, okay. <laughs> Something that, that I, I get a little frustrated with sometimes. The people get stuck in this aspect of who God is or what he does, and they forget to focus on who he is. Paul was preaching Christ and Christ crucified in the Holy Spirit. Do you need to know this God that I know? And things happened because and when and while he was preaching. Not because he went out because he wanted to do stuff and see miracles and I want to put a, you know, another notch on my belt. He was saying, you just need to know God. You need this relationship. I've seen a lot before. God used somebody in, in super awesome, miraculous, crazy ways, which is amazing. But the problem comes when somebody tries to emulate or imitate, do the same things that they were doing because they got a certain result. And I hesitate to say this, but it, there's, you know, these schools of ministry that like if you go to this school of ministry or, or you know, that you're going to learn how to do all this stuff and do these things that I've been doing. And I'm not saying that can't happen. 
I'm saying the problem is too many times people go to those things saying, if I do it this way, exactly like this person, then I'm going to get the same result. And it's not because of how the person does it. It's because God has asked them to do it. Handkerchiefs and aprons. You know, another thing as I was reading, it says that this kind of is a, and it says in these unusual ways, and they said that most likely, this is unusual because this hadn't happened before, and most likely the people that maybe grabbed, they said it was, you know, you know, he was a tent maker. He had like handkerchiefs, like, you know, a bandana is what we call it, you know, around his head or, or an apron that he wore whenever he was building stuff. And they would take that, and most likely it says that it was because they were superstitious and said, if I grab that, maybe there's something that will rub off on that, and, and, and I can get that. But God still used it, right? God can do that. Even if the person that grabbed that had the wrong intentions, God can still use it. The problem is, is when you think that I'm just going to grab that handkerchief because it says in the Bible that handkerchiefs have the power. And it's not the handkerchief that did it, it's God that did it. It's not the apron that did it, it's God that did it. So now I have to get this handkerchief because it's the handkerchief, you know? You pray over this handkerchief. What if God wants you to take a napkin, you know? Or, or whatever. The point is, is that it's not the material. It's the person of, <laughs> of God that, oh, that endued it with that power. It's not the thing. The point being, don't look for the thing. Look for the God who caused that to happen. What is he asking you to do? And how is he asking you to do it? Not how did he ask somebody else to do it and how did he use them and work through them. But how is he asking you to work what he wants you to work? How how is he asking you to minister to those around you? Of course, we need teaching, we need sound teaching, we need people to help us along the way, but we can't get stuck in those things. We have to be focused on the person, on the relationship, on Christ, on who He is. In Acts 19, 13, it says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord over those who had evil spirits. There was, you know, the Jewish people had their, their guys that, you know, with ritual and, and doing things a specific way, you know, we'll, you know, pray this many times and, and do these things and wash our hands, wash your hands, you know, all these different ritualistic things. And it will, you know, somehow relieve you of this spirit that is with you. But they saw what was happening in Paul. And say, look, he's speaking the name of Jesus and these demons, these, this stuff is going. The diseases, the demonic oppression, it's going. 
So they took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, who was a Jewish chief priest who did so, did the same thing. They're like, look, this seems to be working for them or for Paul. In verse 15, and the evil spirits answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? (laughs) Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. See, these Jewish exorcists and these sons of, of this Jewish chief priests, they failed not because of what they said, but because they didn't know who they were talking about. They didn't have the relationship that Paul did. See, and I think this is where we get mixed up, you know, because like, let me say this the right way. Why would you speak the name of Jesus over this thing? Yeah, that's amazing. But where's your relationship at with him? Why isn't this work? I've been claiming it. I've been, you know, speaking his name over this thing in my life or this thing in my family or whatever. (laughs) It's, It's not just the speaking the name of Jesus. It's not just the apron or the handkerchief, right? It's the relationship that you have with the one who gives the power in order to save those things. I want to walk in that, in that strength and that power to be able to speak the name of Jesus and not run away naked and beat up, right? That's how we feel sometimes when things aren't going well. This demon, he says, I know Jesus. I know Paul. He knew Paul, right? Because he had the relationship with Jesus, the one that he really knew. He says, I don't know you. This gives me this this other picture of that you know, this thing that when, when things are, you know, like going good, you feel like, man, like, like things are great, you know? And when things are going bad, you're like, why is all this stuff happening? But what I see in this scripture is that the evil spirits, the demonic things that happen, they know those that are moving with God, and they don't even have a clue about those that don't know God. So you may be walking in this nice little place, but it might be because God's not really with you and the demons don't really care about you. I mean, I'm just saying. And how do I, like, like, God, I've been following, I've been coming in close and now all these things are happening. Wow, how about, 
Like, can we count it a joy to suffer because we know? I, I mean, oh, that, that we are being attacked because we're doing this awesome stuff with God. I, I mean, how do we view it? I know that sometimes that whenever I'm just on this path with God and he's doing things and speaking things to me and that's when these things happen in my life that I'm like, what in the world is going on? And at first I get frustrated and upset, but I try to remind myself, man, God must be trying to do something in my life. God must want to do something because the enemy's coming in to try to stop it and trying to knock me down and knock me out. In verse 17, Acts 19, 17, this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Now, what started happening and this story about the sons of Sceva and these Jewish exorcists coming and them being attacked because they spoke the name of Jesus but didn't know Jesus. They didn't have that relationship. And all this, you know, is happening through Paul because he did know Christ. Started to become known. And it says, and fear came on all of a sudden then because the Holy Spirit was moving and the miraculous was happening the culture started to change. It says because fear came on them all. Now there's two different kinds of fear. The fear of, you know, basically I want to be in control of everything. I, I, I don't want to get hurt. It's about our control. I'm afraid that if I do this, or if this person does this, that something's going to happen to me. So I need to control my life so that I don't have to have this fear or so this thing doesn't happen to me. The other kind of fear is the fear of God. Now this fear of God is an awe and respect and a reverence. Like imagine if, it doesn't even compare, but imagine the Grand Canyon. If you've ever been there, this, this place that, that creates this awe and respect and, and also fear because it's so vast. And if you get too close to it, you're afraid that you might fall in and it might engulf you, right? Or maybe an ocean that's just raging. These waves, it's beautiful, it's, it's majestic, it's, it's so amazing, but also that there's, there's something about it that's overpowering. In some way, that's just a, a glimpse of what the fear of God is. This awe and respect 
this, this place of, uh, I can't even grasp all of, of who you are. I can't comprehend you. And I've seen what you do and who you are and what you've done for me. It says, so fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many who had believed came confessing. Those who had believed were still doing things that they shouldn't do. Like I said, there was like lots of magic and magic books and idols and all these different things. It says, also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. This, it, this in today's value, they don't know exactly. It's like over a million dollars of stuff. You're like People just started bringing all of their books that had these magic things in them and sorcery things and their idols and all this stuff. Is there anything in our lives that needs to be brought out and burned up? You know? And what's interesting here is it, it, they, I love that it says, they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. One thing is, is that so much of this stuff was done in secrecy. There was part of that magic that was like it's done in secret and makes it powerful. It was brought out of hiding. Things that are in us or that we're doing that are in secret need to be brought out of hiding so they lose their power over us. Secondly, it needs to be burned. If there's stuff that you have that you shouldn't have, nobody else should have it either. So don't give it to the goodwill, right? Don't give it to somebody else to use. It needs to be burned so that nobody else can use it. This, this stuff made them have this reverence and fear, this awe and respect for God. Do we have that healthy fear, that healthy respect and awe of who God is in our life that causes us to run away from the things that we shouldn't do and run to Him, to the One that has saved us and redeemed us and wants to use us and work through us. Are we running to Him and running away from those things? In Proverbs 19.23, it says, The fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.